Jones. Hey, give it up for the worship team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So glad you guys came out to Excel tonight. We got, we got a, she probably hates that I'm going to do this. We got a special guest all the way from Chi Alpha. Erica, could you just raise your hand? Yay, yay. She's just hanging out with us. Just so glad you're here. I'm just so glad you're here. It's great. I'm glad. Excel, I said, hey, yo! Oh, man. Like, like it was, momentum was a good break, you know, but I'm just so glad to be back with everybody. Just look around. It's a packed house tonight. I love it. Uh, anybody here like road trips? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like, who's the co-pilot? You know, the one that always stays awake? You know, you're not the one falling asleep. You know what I'm saying? If you are, if you, hey, there are rules. There are rules to road trips. If you are the co-pilot, meaning you're in the front, you can't fall asleep. Everybody knows that. All right? All right, so there's other roles, right? We got the DJ. Is there anybody that's like, you control the playlist of the entire trip. You're like, pass me the aux cord, right? Pass me the aux cord. All right, like, and then we got some people who are my... Who are my snackers? You know what I'm saying? Like, you got the snacks. You're like, I got, you know what I'm saying? Like, the little Debbies, right? You've got, you got the chips. You've got the energy drinks. You've got the Gatorade. you got all that. On a count of three, shout out your favorite, your favorite uh, road trip snack. One, two, three. I, I, whoa. <laughs> wait, wait. Hold on. Time out. Did somebody just say Water. AJ, come get your brother, bro. All right. So Pastor Ariel and I, whenever we get snacks on a road trip, we call it party food. We just get, it's like double-decker, like oatmeal cream pies, zebra cakes. You know what I'm saying? The, 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 uh, the munchies. You know what I'm talking about? The hot, the hot, flaming hot munchies with, like, the pretzels in it. You know what I'm saying? I, love, I don't get munchies, though. You know what I'm saying? All right. I want to tell you a story real quick. We don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to fly through this message, all right, because I want to get y'all out. But I, my family and I did, had this stupid idea. I'm just going to say it was stupid. My dad was like, hey, Juan, my older brother, your grandpa wants to sell you a Dodge Neon for a dollar. My brother's like, my first car. So my grandpa was just going to give it to him, but he's like, hey, to, stay, to do some taxes and, like, cheat the system, he's like, I'll sell it to you for a dollar. So my dad's like, well, we're going to drive the car back. And so we were broke, broke. So we're like, you know what? Like, we can't afford a plane ticket, right? So we did what broke people did back then, and that was take a Greyhound bus. Any, anybody here taking a Greyhound bus trip, you're, you know, like, Greyhound bus trips are sketchy, right? Most of the time, they're pretty rough. So we decided to take a Greyhound bus trip all the way from Chicago, Illinois, the greatest city in the world, down to one of my least favorite cities on, in the world, and that's Orlando, Florida. <laughs> all right, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Or I love Orlando. I just wanted to get a rise out of Donna. I actually proposed to Pastor Ariel at Lake Eola downtown by, by the fountain, you know what I'm saying? I was like, marry me. She's like, yeah. Um, so my dad and my brothers, I have a twin brother. I've got an older brother and i got a, you know, my dad. So we hop on this Greyhound bus. And let me tell you something. I'm going to write like 
I'm going to do a, a short movie about this, you know, like a short film. Because anything that could have gone wrong on this trip went completely wrong, right? Name it. The bus driver falling asleep, wrong, right? Getting lost, all that stuff. I wrote it even down here. Okay, okay. So the it went from fights on the bus to crazy spring breakers, which, ew, right? Buses breaking down, buses getting lost, drivers falling asleep, people getting off the bus and then getting left behind. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, you're supposed to be back. We're leaving you. We left a couple in Nashville, Tennessee. Not even joking. We, they're, they're like, wait for the next bus. Um, even an incident with a crazy guy that I call Black Popeye. I call him Black Popeye because um, it was as if, like, Wesley Snipes and Popeye had a baby it was this guy. If you don't know who Wesley Snipes is, look that up, all right? The, the movie Blade, right? This guy did the number one rule. He broke the number one rule on the bus, and that's don't poop on the bus. Don't do it. That's gross. That's weird. Don't poop on the bus because the bus is small, and the bus gets cramped, and then you start smelling like all the poopiness, and the particles are floating in the air, and you're just trying to chill, and then you're like, whoa, right? It just slaps you in the face. Number one rule, don't poop on the bus. This dude poops on the bus. And y'all know, we were like, it was like midnight, right? We're at, we're in downtown Atlanta, right? At midnight, sketchy. And no joke, this guy's pooping on the bus. Me and my brothers who have no manners and no filter, and it's 12 in the morning, you get slap happy, you know what I'm saying? So what do we do as, as hood rat kids is we start roasting the guy, in the bathroom, more like we were talking about the smell, all right? We like, it smelled like doo-doo. Like, so we came up with a game of, it's called What That Smell Like. And I preached on this months ago, but we would make up what it would smell like without, like, like super obscure things. Anyways, fast forward. We forgot that this fool can hear us. This dude was like, this has nothing to do with my message. I just really love this story. This dude, all of a sudden, right? So we're all, so there were army privates, so like guys that are, are going from one base to another, like spring breakers. So we're wild. It's wild in the back of the bus, right? And then there's my dad, like army preacher guys, right? Like ready to kill anybody. This guy kicks open the door, whoosh, stands out, I swear, like he was like Wesley Snipes and Blade, just, and he, like this. That's where I get the Popeye from. And all of a sudden, like, the bus goes quiet. This has seriously nothing to do with my message. He goes, this fool goes, why y'all acting like your poop don't stink? And you're like, so guys like me and my brothers and these army, army privates, we're, like, ready to fight all the time. So it was one of those things, like, if you laugh, this guy is going to go berserk. Why yo acting like your poop don't stink? I'm like, what's up with the pause and all that? So it's obviously one of those moments where you can't laugh. So I take my pillow. I cram it down my throat. I'm like, if I laugh, he's going to blow this buzz up. And wouldn't it be one of the Marty boys, my older brother, who couldn't hold it in? And it's that laugh that it goes. <laughs> and then everybody starts cracking up. This dude just, right? He like Fred Flintstones his way down the aisle. He gets to his seat. I can't make the story up. He gets to his seat and starts punching the window. Why yo, I didn't like your poop. Don't stink. Like, 
out of nowhere, true story, this this Russian guy, by the way, Russians, y'all are, y'all are crazy. This Russian guy comes up and goes, like, literally says, I will kill you. I am a U.S. Marshal. And I'm like, you can't make this up. Grabs, grabs his bag, puts it on the top, and does like a John claude Van Damme, like Steven Seagal, like Jackie Chan karate chop move into the bag like this. And like the bag exploded into the back of it. And I'm like, if that was his face, dead. That guy's dead. Black Popeye, dead. Right? The bus is dead quiet. Dead quiet. And the guy gets so embarrassed, like, fast, rewind. The reason why he kicked open the door and it was a big deal that this U.S. Marshal got up was because some other lady was trying to use the bathroom and was scared to use the bathroom now. So after he kicked this guy off the bus, he goes up to the lady, you can go now. Go use. And we're like... I think she already went. And so, so that, was, that, that situation was wild. He didn't get back on the bus. That fool just disappeared into the back alleyways of downtown Atlanta in the middle of the night. So I have no idea what happened to him. If you're watching this, I love you. My poop does stink. Okay. Now to the message. Okay. There was a part of this story that goes into the message that they told us, hey, you got to get on this bus first because uh, we're expecting that there would be no room. Everybody say no room. They're like, hey, you got to get on this bus. And so me and my brothers are stressing. We're like, dude, we got to like linebacker our way like on the bus. Like I'm trampling over old ladies. People were crutches. Like you're going to go down. I'm sorry. I'm getting on the bus. And lucky for us, we had, we made friends. It's good to make friends. We made friends with a couple. Back in the day, everybody, some of y'all don't know this, but they were portable DVD players. You can watch movies on this little laptop thingy that was a DVD player. Right now, y'all got tablets, right? But it was a portable DVD player. We have one. The couple behind us brought movies but didn't have one. So they saved me and my brothers and my dad some seats because they wanted to use our movies or our DVD player. So I'm like, thank you, Lord. But I remember the panic of when the bus driver said, there will be no room. Say, no room. It brings me to tonight's message. The title of this message, you guessed it, is called Black Popeye. <laughs> no room. It's called No Room. What am I talking about tonight? Here we go. Here we go. Everybody do this. Like, put your seatbelt on. Strap in. Strap in. Here we go. We're talking about the birth of Jesus, and it's usually surrounded by cuteness, right? Hallmark movies, things like that, like this, this Christmas flair. We think of the birth of Jesus as like this cutesy moment, and this moment in Mary and Joseph's life actually was far from cute. It was far from cute like that bus ride. Oh, it was awful. This was stressful for Mary and Joseph, right? Very stressful. So tonight's message is based on this verse in Luke. You'll see it on the Sky Bible. I'm reading in King James tonight. I know. Yeah. Whoa. Prepare thyself, okay? So if you don't have a Bible, we got one on the screen. It's called the Sky Bible, but why don't you turn on your Bible and get it ready, your Glow Bible. If you have a paperback Bible like an OG, say amen. All right, I got some OGs in the house. Here we go. Luke chapter 2, verse 7, it says this. And she brought forth... Mm, that's it, right there. Her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room. Say no room. 
for them in the inn. No room. Let me pray. Lord, uh, this is your word, not mine. And I'm not here to add anything to it, take anything out of it, God. I'm here to just communicate it. So, Lord, let your Holy Spirit breathe on this. Don't let me say anything that you wouldn't say, God. And don't let them hear something that you wouldn't want them to hear, God. And I just pray that you would breathe on this as we dive into what it means to make room for Jesus. And everyone says, hey, to the men. All right. To many people, you know, we struggle with what it means to make room for Jesus, and they end up having no room for them in, in their lives. Let, I'm just get get right into it. It's hard for us to make room for Jesus, straight up. Let's talk about the events that's taking place in this moment, in this verse, what's happening in Luke, and we're going to peel back some of the layers historically of what's going to happen. So this is not going to be your three ways to make room for Jesus, all right? All right it's not going to be one of those, all right? We're going to break down the story, and I want to see... What happens and what we can learn from this moment where Mary and Joseph come into the inn and they hear the same words that I heard, that there would be no room. But let me give you some context. Say context. I'm going to break it down for you. All right, let me, let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. This is going to be in the ESV. Oh, yeah, we hopping around. You'll see it on the Sky Bible. It says this. Y'all ready? Can I get a hook? In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. That's an epic name. That all the world should be registered. This is the census. This was the first registration when Cornarius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. Pause. Everybody going back to their hometown. All right? So if you're not from Chicago, you out. Go to wherever it is. Go to Orlando. All right? Whatever. All right? <laughs> right? And so verse 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea. To the city of David. It sounds like the Christmas jingle jumble, right? Which is called, everybody say Bethlehem. Good old Bethlehem, the hood. Because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his girl, his betrothed, ooh, who was with child, baby Jesus. Let me break it down for you. Mary and Joseph were young and broke. Amen. If, you, if you're young and broke, say amen. <laughs> they were around 16 to 19 years old. They're babies. They were babies. They were engaged and promised to each other by their parents. Mary and Joseph both received angelic visions, right? So they received a vision from an angel that they were both going to give birth. Not both, one, but the other one's going to have to pay. You know what I'm saying? Child support, right? And raise Jesus. Both wrestled with the responsibility of this calling. Mary left, so they broke up for a period, and then they got back together, all right? Because really, Joseph was contemplating, like, breaking up with Mary. Be like, she's, she's pregnant with a baby, and I'm not dumb. I know how babies are made. It ain't mine. Somebody call Mari Povich, right? You know what I'm saying? We need a DNA test. And the angel's like, hey, don't worry. According to the Holy Spirit, the results are in. You are going to be the father, right? So there's that, right? So a census is happening where they need record of everybody in the land. So they're going to go back to their hometown. Typically, Mary and Joseph would have stayed in Nazareth, but the reason why they're going back to Bethlehem is because that's where Joe was from, all right? Joe was from there. And let me tell you something. It was far. Stay far. Yo, check this out. I, I, this is cool, too. While the world may have not been ready for Jesus, God was already preparing room for him because we see in the book of Micah, right, we see a prophecy 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus, we see a prophecy that the Messiah would be 
born in Bethlehem, would come from Bethlehem. Let's look at this, Micah 5, 2. I want to show you proof. Throw it up. But you, O Bethlehem, that word, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, of old, from ancient days. This is a prophecy saying, hey, the Messiah is going to be born from Bethlehem. In Bethlehem. 700, say 700. That's a long time, right? 700 years from now, ain't nobody going to know your name. Ain't nobody going to know my name. They will know Dottie's name because he's that cute, all right? While the prophecy would have been known by Jews of this period and, and, and maybe known by Mary and Joseph, the prophecy really didn't make the journey any easier. It didn't make the journey easier for them. I want to break this down for you. It, it would have taken, if they were riding a donkey, which they were, four to five days. So it was... I say 90 miles, right? 90 miles is from this church to the north side of Milwaukee. That's far. If you want, look that up on your maps. You're like, they walked that? Not only did they walk it or rode it, Mary was also super duper pregnant. That's a that's an issue. Some, where are all my moms at? Woo-woo, some of the moms in the house. Um, when y'all are pregnant, the last thing you want to do is ride a donkey, let alone, like, get out of the car and walk anywhere. You're like, my ankles are swollen. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I'm crying. I don't know why. Right? That's Mary. Poor Joseph. I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing. All right. So back to the census. So, so back to the reason why they're going, right? Joseph used to live there. He obviously doesn't anymore. And so they had to find a way uh, uh, not a way, sorry. They had to find a place to stay. Now, they couldn't just call it Airbnb, right? They couldn't just reserve something. They legit, like, the culture of those days was they had to ask. Hospitality, right? Some people, there were inns, and some people naturally had guest rooms, and we're going to get to that in a second. But they can't just plan ahead. They just have to go, right? And so we read in Luke 2, verse 6, um, this right here. By the way, let's talk about Luke for a second. Luke is that friend that they want to tell you a story, but they like forget all the details or they don't tell you the details. And then you find out later and then it'd be like, oh yeah, my bad. I forgot to tell you that. <laughs> right? That's me and my wife. Sometimes she'd be telling me stuff or I'd be telling her stuff and she asks for details and then I think I give her details, but then I actually don't tell all the details. And then my wife could be, be getting mad at me because she's like, why'd you tell me that? But I thought I did, but I did it. You know what I'm saying? That's me. You're like, can you follow all that? No, that's fine. It's all right. I'm sorry, babe. Right? So that's Luke. Luke Luke is that friend that be telling you and leaving out details. But he says this. Look at this. Luke chapter 2, verse 6. It says, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. That's all he says. That's all the details we get. Thank you, Luke. I'm going to punch you in your face. Luke leaves out so many details about what these moments may have looked at, right? We have no idea how long Joseph searched for a room. We have no idea how many houses he asked or what this childbirth even looked like. But he continues, right? So he doesn't tell us how long he looked, right? So what's the situation? They got nowhere to stay. They got nowhere to stay. And if I am a husband and I got my pregnant wifey on a donkey smelling like, a donkey, you know what I'm saying? Like, please, give us room. She needs, she smells. Like, please, right? I'm, I'm desperate. I'm desperate. So we can kind of talk about this. Pastor Ariel, when we moved to the city of Chicago, we didn't have a house. We had a place to stay, right? So we stayed. So I'm, I'm calling. I'm asking people. I'm like, yo, can we stay somewhere? They're like, we got a sketchy basement in Logan Square. I was like, 
I'll take it. <laughs> and poor Pastor Ariel, pregnant Pastor Ariel, had to sleep on a mattress on the floor, right? I felt awful. As a husband, I can kind of, I can, I can feel Joseph right now. He's like, I got to get this, this lady somewhere. We got to find somewhere to stay. So there's, there's a lot of stress happening in this moment. So let me show you what a typical Hallmark manger looks like. Like we kind of see this. Go ahead and show it up there. Actually, let's read Luke 2-7 before I do that. And she gave birth to firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Let's look at the inn. Let's look at that. The first one. Oh, that's kind of what we see, right, around the Christmas holiday, right? We kind of see photos of this on cards. Now, before, before we show the next one, I know for a fact that somebody's abuelita or somebody, somebody, tia, whoever, they have this set. Go ahead, show it. They got this at the crib. No, they got this at the crib right now. Don't lie. Somebody has this right now. They're like, look at my little angel. You're like, that's, that's not how that was, Grandma, but it's okay. So that's kind of what we see it, right? That's kind of what we see what's happening. We imagine the shepherd, the wise men, the animals, and a quiet baby Jesus, right? Like, listen, my wife and I just had a baby Ain't nothing silent about that night. Do you know what I'm saying? That baby is crying. That baby is all over the place. And Mary still smells like donkey. So this is not a fun place to be. Go ahead, show it again. The other one, I'm sorry. It's not a fun place to be. It's not, right? This is not good. Now, the manger, Luke describes it, is that Mary laid the newborn, right, in, in a place of a manger, right? Let's look at the next picture, right? The swaddling clothes. The swaddling clothes. So we're like, what are swaddling? I just added this because I'm like, what are swaddling clothes? Do you guys know what a swaddle is? Right? No. It's what you wrap a baby in nice and tight so that they can fall asleep. You know what I'm saying? It happened to you, dude, I promise. Right? So this is one of those things. Now, we think of like this majestic Jesus laying in like this comfy, nice little bed. No, he was wrapped with this. This is not fun. This is not good. It's happening. Let's go to the next, go to the next picture. This is what Jesus was laying in. How many of you want, want to stay in this? Don't raise your hand, Junior Harris. Yeah, see, I knew. I know. Literally, jaywalkers were like, mm. <laughs> y'all are just weird, right? A manger, right, is a feeding trough for animals. This is where animals eat. It is made of either wood or stone. A manger is a place where a shepherd would place the grain, hay, or other food for animals to eat, right? This is it. This is really, really gross. You know, not many of us want know what an inn looks like and would have looked like back then. So go ahead, show the next picture, right? So this is what an inn would have looked like. Uh, typically, you got the family living room, right, with the flat screen. You got the two mangers right there where the animals eat and the stable where all that is. And then you have a guest room, right? You've got the guest room. That's kind of what a typical Palestinian home or inn would have looked like and if you've ever been to a bed and breakfast, like a real bed and breakfast, it's kind of like that, something similar that's happening here in Jesus' birth. You know, while we normally translate the, the phrase, no room for Mary and Joseph, meaning there is not available, it's not really super duper true. It just meant that there's no room in the guest room for them. The guest room, show that one more time. That's it. So there was no room in the guest room. So Mary didn't give birth to Jesus outside, all right? That didn't happen, right? Which is what we think. The space where Jesus, where she gave birth to Jesus was a space where the animals were kept at at night, which was typically an inside room 
attached to the house, as you see in the picture. It's more appropriate to think about the space as a stable. Well, stable, right? That's not up there, but it's okay. The space itself was probably a cave or structure attached to the house, so something like that. So it's likely that the innkeeper didn't take uh, care of Mary by offering them a private area, right, which is what we think. She's like, listen, all I got is with the aminals. And they're like, if, if I'm Joseph, I'm like, yes, that's, that's what I need to take. Let me call the band up real quick. You're like, wow, that was fast. Yeah, it was very fast. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. This moment in time is so stressful. And it's full of anxiety because Jesus is, is coming whether they know it or not, whether they want him to or not. And there's no place for them to go. I want you to put them in that situation. Put yourself in that situation. Can you play Make Room, by the way? Thank you. See what I did there? Banging on the door. Hey, you got No, sorry, bro. Don't have any space for you. Next house. Hey, can you? Hey, man, we're all booked up. Everybody's here for the census. Should have came earlier. Hey, can you? Hey, man, I'm sorry. Finally, Joseph gets to the spot. Hey, do you, listen. Listen, I'll take whatever you have. I'll take what? Is that the click? Wow. Yeah, let's turn that. I'll take whatever you got, whatever, whatever you, whatever you can take, whatever, how, wherever we can sleep. Listen, my wife is pregnant. Uh, we, we need help. And, and I can, I can almost see the innkeeper like, how do I say no to this pregnant lady? Because she's going to have the baby and she's going to come back and kill me. How do I say no to these people? I got to find, like, I see the need. I, I see what's happening. I, I see what's going on. I, I, need to make, I need to make some space for them. This baby is coming. And he does something that's really awesome. He's like, listen, I can't offer you my guest room because that space is already occupied. But this is all I got if you're willing to take it. And they're like, we'll take it. And this humble birth of Jesus in this lowly place shows us that Jesus Jesus gets what it means to be in a low place. He understands what it means to be humble. And, and I want to see this. Here's the question tonight. Let me just get to the question. Again, I'm not going to emotionally manipulate you to respond to this. I know I blew through this message. Do you have room for Jesus? There's the question. Right? With all the graphics, I'm showing you like, hey, this is the fun holiday. But the reality of it is, is do you have room for Jesus? Is there room in your life for Jesus? Is there space for Jesus in your life? If Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart, of your life right now, he's saying, hey, do you have any room? Which house are you going to be? Now, hey, man, listen, booked. I got a lot going on. I don't, got, I don't got space for you. Right? Do you have room for Jesus? There was no room for him where there usually would have been a room. So let me ask you something. If Jesus were to knock on your doors of your life, would you have room? Notice this. There usually would have been a room, but it was occupied. <laughs> Which tells me this. There are things in our lives that occupy the spaces of importance that are not as important as Jesus. Now, if you would have told that innkeeper, bro, that prophecy in Micah that you memorized in school, that's the baby. He probably would have been like, everybody in the guest room, Get out, right? He probably would have made room. He probably would have made room. But so many times in our lives, the space that Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, the relationship that we have with God, so many times that the space that should be reserved for him is already occupied with something. 
What's occupying that room in your life? Is it an addiction? Is it resentment? Is it unforgiveness? Is it anger issues? Is it doubt? Is it unbelief? What is it? What is occupying that space? There's some of you in this place, and you're saying, listen, I don't have room for Jesus. Well, duh, there's something occupying his space. There's a spot in your life that belongs to him, that's meant for him. Your heart is meant for him, but something is occupying that room. What is it? Because God's knocking. He's knocking on the door of your life. He's asking to come in, right? You got things in an important space that's not as important as Jesus, but here's, here's, here's grace. Oh, here's the grace of Jesus. Listen, but it's the love and grace of Jesus that says whatever space you do have, whatever space you do have, I'll take it. I just want to come in. I just want to come in. Hey, you don't have the guest room, and I understand that you don't have things Together, I know you've got some things that are in your life, but if you've got just a little bit of space, I'll take it. I'll take it. And a lot of us think when we come to church, when we get into this space, when we get into this area of believers, we think that we got to get this guest room ready. And listen, I'm not asking you to get your life together. I'm not asking you to be perfect tonight. I'm not asking you to have all the things in your life planned out, like crystal clear, all that stuff. All I'm asking you to do is if you've got a little bit of room, give it to Jesus and watch him clean house. Watch him do the rest. There's something in your life that is occupying the space that belongs to Jesus and the grace of the cross. The mercy of Jesus is saying, I understand that that's the room I should be in, but I love you so much that if it's the stable, I'll be there. And it's like sometimes in my life, I'm like, listen, Jesus, this is all I got right now. I'm sorry that I don't have a king-size mattress. I'm sorry I don't have the amenities that I feel like I should have for you. But if you would have this, this is what I got. And he's like, I'll take it. I want to be in your life. I want to be, some of you are like, God, I feel like my life is just this stable. It smells. It's crowded. There's, there's just poop everywhere. There's all these things. You're like, who would want to be there? Who would want to be in that space? And Jesus is like, that's where I was born. I can occupy that space. I can do it for you. Imagine for a moment that you're the innkeeper. Do you have room in your heart ready for Jesus? Or is your life so cluttered with other priorities that you have to send him away? Can you imagine Finding out later in life that you turned away the mother of the Savior of the world. You could have had that blessing in your life. You could have had that miracle in your life. How many times do you and I send away Jesus because we just don't have the room? Making room for Jesus means that we push things aside and we make space for him. So like I ask you today, is there room in your life? I encourage you in this moment to make room for the Savior because he's coming to the world and he wants to live in your heart today. That's it. That's the birth of Jesus. That's the life of Jesus, where it all started. 
So my answer to you today, my call to you today is, listen, God wants to be in your life, and God loves you, and he's knocking on the door of your heart. You are the innkeeper. So you have a decision. This is a decision right here. As you let Jesus in and embrace grace and accept mercy, accept forgiveness, accept love, a love that will never fail you, a love that will never judge you, or... You can send it away, and you can miss out on the glory of Jesus. You can miss out on eternity. This guy could have missed out on just the birth of Jesus, but you tonight, if you walk out of here without accepting this free gift of grace, you could miss out on eternity because the Bible says that tomorrow is not promised. So I'm asking you today if you would make room for Jesus If Jesus doesn't already live in your heart, if you don't already have a relationship with Jesus, I'm calling you to make room. With every head bowed and eyes closed, this is what we're going to do. I'm just going to ask you. I'm going to count to three because it just seems to help people. But if you want to make room for Jesus and you've never had Jesus in your life, meaning you have never audibly said, Jesus, I believe in you, this is your call. This is the first one. God loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. And so here it is. On the count of three, if you're like, Pastor Izzy, I don't know Jesus, but I can see what he's doing for other people and how he lives in them, and I want that because they seem like things are going good, or even if things are bad, it just seems like you're working it out for them, and I just need your help. If you're here and you've never had a relationship with Jesus, and you want to make room for him for the very first time, count of three, I just want you to slip up your hand. I want you to put up. I want you to raise your hand. You can put it right back down. One, God loves you, everything about you. Two, there's nothing that you can do that could ever separate you from that love. No sin, no nothing. Three, if that's you, if that's you, I'm going to slip up your hand. I see that hand. That's one. I see that hand. That's two. Come on, is there anybody else? I don't want. I see that hand. That's awesome. Three, anybody else? Four, that's all. Hands are going up across this place. Is there anybody else saying, I need to make room? I see that hand. Come on, is there anybody else? Once you put it up, you can put it right back down. Listen, if you're here and you're like, I don't know, I see that hand, man, proud of you. Is there anybody else? You're saying, hey, I just don't know. Awesome, I see your hand. Is there anybody else? You're like, listen, I, I, I don't know about it. There are other people that have already done it. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. Anybody else, I'll take another moment. You say, hey, I need to make room for Jesus in my life. I've never done it before, and I want to do it now. Awesome, I see that hand. Awesome, awesome. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand. Everybody stand across this place. In a moment, we're going to sing, but I want us to all pray this simple prayer that I think is very important for us to do. There's nothing magical about this prayer. There's really nothing uh, you know, weird, I just want to encourage you. Um, The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you were to confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Christ died and rose from the grave, that if you believe in that moment right there, you would be saved. That's it. That's it. Saved. Saved from hell. Saved from condemnation. Saved from sin. So when you raise your hand, you're saying, hey, I need to be saved. 
And so here's what we're going to do. With every head bowed and eyes closed, we're going to repeat after me. And those of you who raise your hand, this, this is a prayer that I want you to pray out loud. So don't just say it in your heart. I want you to say it with your mouth because that's what the Bible says. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus. Everybody say, Lord Jesus. For too long I've kept you out of my life. I know that I'm a sinner. And I cannot save myself. No longer will I close the door when I hear you knocking. By faith, I gratefully receive your gift of salvation. I'm ready to trust you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to earth. I believe you're the Son of God who died on the cross for my sins. And rose from the dead on the third day. I believe your words are true. Come into my heart. Lord Jesus. And be my savior. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Come on let's give it up for those. Come on. Somebody made room. That's something to celebrate right now. Hey. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, and tonight you said, I wanted to believe in Jesus, and because you prayed that prayer, I want you to know you're safe. And I want to say welcome to the family of God. You will never be the same. Your life from here on out, God's going to help you. God is for you, not against you. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, hey, I want to hear you. I want to hear you out. I want to get to know you. Uh, Right over there where Judd and AJ are, if you gave your heart to Jesus for the very first time tonight, When I dismiss the service, I just want to talk to you and and see what's going on in your heart and your mind and how I can help you. And so for the rest of us, um, here's what we're going to do, because I I want you to respond. We're going to sing that song. And let me see if there's anybody that's brave enough to do it. If you're here and you say, you know what, Pastor Izzy, I need to make more room. There's a lot of stuff in my life that honestly, I I just know it's taking up a lot of space. And, you know, it may not be good. It may not be bad. I just know that, man, I could make more room for God. I want to give you the opportunity to just do that. How do you do that? I'm just inviting you to come to the front. And as they sing, it's a simple prayer that's like, hey, God, here's, what's in my, here's what I know that's taking up a lot of my time. And I just know I need to fill that time with you. Maybe it's reading your Bible more. Maybe it's praying more. Maybe it's getting rid of certain social medias. Maybe it's fasting something. Maybe it's breaking up with so-and-so. Maybe you need to make that kind of space. Maybe you need to have a relationship with Jesus first before you have a relationship with anybody else. How do you do that? So as we sing, as we play, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to dismiss you. I'm going to dismiss you. So if you want to go out there, go out there, have some fun. I'm glad you came. But for those who need to make room, I just want to give you an opportunity to come and do that. Again, if you accepted Jesus for the first time, meet me over there. For the rest of you, you say, hey, I just want to take a moment. I need to kind of like just de-stress and just kind of get some stuff off my heart. I just need to pray. Then here, come on up to the front. Take some moments. Just sing the song one time through, and then and we'll go, Lord, thank you for the time and your presence. Thank you that you're able to speak to us. 
uh, in any time frame, in any capacity. I'm thankful, God, for those who raise their hand for the first time to have a relationship with you. And we know that if even one does it, the angels rejoice. And we know, God, that heaven is throwing a party for those who have given their lives to you tonight. But for those, God, that have and need to make more space, God, I pray that you would bring those things forth. You would bring those things to mind. Right now, in the name of Jesus, you would convict them, God, and let that conviction be the one thing that brings them back to the kindness of you, God, because it is kindness that leads us to repentance, God. And so in this moment, we just surrender our hearts to you. We surrender our minds to you. And Lord, we make room. We make room. We remove the things that are distracting us. We remove the things that ultimately aren't good for us. And we want to fill that space. We want that space to be occupied by you, by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we're going to sing. But again, I love you. I'm praying for you. Excel, I believe in you. You are dismissed. Those of you that want to respond, respond. In Jesus' name, you guys are dismissed. Love you guys.